0: Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight.
1: Hey everyone. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, visiting with us is my friend and colleague, Dr. Randy Shulman. Randy is truly an amazing person, as you'll quickly see her power, passion, creativity, and influencing abilities. Today, we're going to talk about her integrated approach to vision and vision care, and it's quite unique. She's pulled in a lot of starting from basic up developmental optometry with lots of other kinds of uh, systems and professionals. I think you'll find this very interesting today. But first, here's a little bit about Randy, who's led a very impressive and adventurous life. Dr. Schulman received her B.A. in psychology from the University of Pennsylvania in 1987 and she received her doctorate in optometry and masters in vision science from State University of New York College of Optometry in 1991. She's currently an adjunct clinical professor and of residency um, and supervisor at that school. Dr. Schulman has lectured extensively on a number of behavioral optometry topics, which include vision in the classroom, vision as it relates to aging, developmental delays, autism, brain injury, and many, many more, including concussions, prevention, integration, and alternative care for people of all ages. What's very interesting, I believe now that Dr. Shulman owns six optometric practices as she continues to really find a way to keep extending her vision therapy care and helping people in the uh, northeast area of this country. So, Randy, welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Thank you so much,
2: Lynn, and I really am excited to be here. I really have always looked up to you and your vision for not only the world of optometry, but a vision for a better place for people. So thank you for all of your work as well.
1: Well, it's been a pleasure, and we've been on that journey of, uh, you know, vision's our profession, but it goes beyond our profession and and into the world of creating a vision for everybody, which is why, you know, you're here, and I'm excited to talk to you. So let's kind of just jump in and, you know, explain to us your integrated model of vision.
2: So when we were in school, actually even after school, because a lot of what I've learned has been since optometry school— we learned about a basic model where vision integrates with speech and language systems as well as proprioceptive systems. And uh, to me, that's just fascinating that vision is connected to so many other systems. In fact, uh, Celia Henricks and I recently wrote a chapter in a book about multisensory systems. And that's expanded my model of vision even further. And that model is what I call sixfold. So there's the physical health of the eyes, but also the body. We have to look at the posture and how we move because that gives us a sense of and connects to vision. So if there's restrictions in our body or if we have postural warps, they could be caused by visual imbalances or contributing to vision problems. So we want to look at that overall physical health. Then I also wanna look at the biochemistry. So that's often overlooked. People don't realize how much what they eat does affect them. So it affects the visual system. And it's one of the first places that you can see an imbalance in in the health of the body. So you can look at the eyes and you can see blood vessels right on the whites of the eyes. So if there's any kind of circulatory problem, you can see it right there. If you look inside the eye, you can see on the retina if there's any problems. You can see the blood vessels. You can see if there's a tendency towards diabetes or high blood pressure. You can also look at the eyes and it gives a sense of the aging of the person. And then I also look at the iris, which gives you information about all sorts of systems in the body. So it will tell me if somebody's not eating healthy and I can make suggestions as to how to improve their overall health and well-being as
1: well as their longevity. So, so Randy, if I could right just down. stop you for just a second, this is already, you said it's sixfold, but we have two <laughs> physical and biochemical areas right. that, in general, optometry uh, often are not even uh discussed approach and and um you know we have had other podcast guests talk about a little bit about um the retina and what we can see inside of the eye as a picture we talk about the, uh you know eye is the window to the soul but it's also a window to our general health and um and there's Correct. estimated 300 diseases that could be picked up by just examining the eyes and so I something we want to make sure our, our listeners know the importance of a thorough vision exam that that you don't do on your telephone and just, you know, fax in your prescription but goes beyond and look at the healthy eyes. So, that's a great point. So continue on. You've done two of the six uh, pieces of Correct. your integration model.
2: Absolutely. The other one that we don't think about very much is mental So how we think about our eyes, how we think about our visual system, but also how we think about our overall um, attitude towards life. You know, can we change things? Can they not be changed? Most people think that. Whatever their prescription is, that's their prescription. There's no possibility of change. And so my feeling is, no, there actually can be ways to change. And I want to look at whether somebody has a very fixed mindset or if they have more of an open mindset, because that's going to affect what they believe is possible. So part of, say, my evaluation would be looking at that, but looking at ways that I can drop seeds and let people know that your prescription does not have to be just what we measure, that we actually can change our vision, we can change our overall health, and it may take something to do that, but that that is possible. So to me, that's a very important part
1: of the educational process and exam. And later in the podcast, uh, I'd really like for you to spend more time about the importance of what I call vision inside and out. Does what you see out in your world really uh, is a consistent with what you're creating in your mind and internally. So we can talk about that more later. uh, Great. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: So the next uh, section would be emotional, you know, so what is the emotional state? If you've ever noticed when you've got to get somewhere on time and maybe it's raining out, you might want to sh- turn down the radio because you're stressed, you're you're emotionally agitated, and that will absolutely affect vision. So I like to look at ah what's going on with that visual system um, as it relates to their emotional state and their overall um, attitude in terms of Well, when there's a stress. So, you know, is it a a patient that's somewhat anxious about their vision? Is it somebody that's pretty relaxed? So uh, it gives me an opening to have a conversation about how they're feeling and how that relates to their vision. And we can talk about that a bit more, too,
1: right. and uh, and of course, um, many of the listeners may not know there's actually a visual condition called the Streph syndrome, s t r e. F is in Frank. F is in Frank, which is a stress-related visual issue. So it goes again well beyond just what we measure uh, visually, and often some of the solution comes in in uh, really uncovering or getting help to uncover some of the stressors outside of just the visual world.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So, so c- um, we've covered physical biochemical mental emotional and the next area that i like to look at is the energetics so energetically what's around them and that gets a little bit more tricky because you have to actually ask questions about their home life, about their work life. If they're a student, are they in a Montessori type school or are they in an intense school that expects the kindergartner to be able to read and write? So, understanding the energetic influences around them, the pressures, whether the parents are permissive or if they're on top of the kids actually will affect their visual system. So if a person is more driven and or has parents or a spouse that's pushing them, they might come in with a different visual pattern. And, or if they have a problem uh, we might want to address it somewhat differently and, or look at, what type of environmental changes we can make.
1: Mm -hmm, Great.
2: And then the last one is what I call spiritual. So does this patient have passion and purpose? Do they have vision? So it's getting more at what you were suggesting, Lynn, is that what is their inside vision that will create a vision outside that they can can, um, be actionable with in the world? So, again, that looks at more their possibility, but I also can look at eyes and talk to the patient or person about, you know, what do they really believe? So that includes belief systems and how they might operate in the world. And to me, that uh, is governed often by how they see and how they visualize, how they engage with the world. So that is something that... We can talk about, we can address, and we can work with people
1: on. So that's a very comprehensive. Uh, approach to, you know, a, a vision, you know, what comes up for me is if I was a patient and I made an appointment, it sounds like this should be a three to six hour evaluation. <laughs> you know, take, a, <laughs> take us through, how do you do an evaluation um, and find out a lot of it is in the interviewing conversations, mm-hmm. but you know, what would a, a patient experience if they came to you for a vision evaluation?
2: Well, certainly a a different type of history form. So, yes, there's going to be the usual looking at maybe genetic history or family history, any of their symptoms. But I'm also going to be asking questions about lifestyle habits, exercise, whether or not um, they eat regularly, what their um, supplements or nutritional status is. Obviously, most doctors ask about medications, but... You know, I really want to look at supplements and and looking at, you know, well, are they exercising on a regular basis? You know, again, what type of stressors are there? So for a student, we might be asking, are they working up to their potential? Do they have more difficulties in one area versus another? We work a lot with people that might have had a brain injury or concussion. So asking them lots of questions about memory, about sleep patterns, and about any other therapies or any other people that they work with. Again, most doctors don't ask questions about if they see a chiropractor or go for a massage or if they feel like they're working up to their potential. Um, and very well, few people look at you know, all of those in a comprehensive
1: model. For sure. And I always have to laugh when I go to the doctor and <clears throat> they ask for medications and I say, well, I have a lot of supplements and they are. Oh, that's OK. Or they briefly <laughs> write down a few of the names. And, you know, those are the things that keep me in line and healthy. And I go, well, you guys just miss missed the boat on this one. Um, yes. <laughs> so that's that's very interesting. So you do your evaluation Um, Mm -hmm. So it starts with the history and then,
2: of course, your basic eye health evaluation, um, looking at the eyes and also looking at the acuity and the prescription, which most eye doctors look at. But I also want to make sure that I'm looking at the eye movements and making sure that I'm really... uh, qualifying how they're looking. You know, are there any jumps in any position? Uh, Is there any hesitation? Or do they try to make eye contact with me to make sure that they're getting the right answer? Even that subtle, those two subtle things, looking at if there's a jump in any position, certain areas um, will show maybe um, more difficulty possibly a stress pattern, looking in a certain position, I can't tell you how many patients you ask, ah, you know, there was a little jump up and to the right. Uh, Anything that happens that you can recall, you know, do you remember where you were looking when you had a car accident? If they tell you they had a car accident, oftentimes it's in that position. So you can actually uh, really delve through their history and look at where some of their uh, strain patterns are. And I'm just going to be looking to, to see if their head's tilting, their shoulders are asymmetric ones forward or back, you know, how do they walk in to the exam room and sit in the chair? So all of that gives me lots of information about that physical um, health. And then again, even, cover your left eye. Can somebody cover their left eye, or do they have confusion with right and left? So that's going to give me information about how they process space and or how they handle visual auditory commands.
1: Right. And again, the history is so, so critical. And and that's what happens in this day and age where often exams are now just five or 10 minutes in many doctor's offices. the history is do you have any eye problems, any complaints? And I see that we right. get a lot of students of uh, from the optometry school as externs and you get residents. And I always have to kinda chuckle. Externs as well. <laughs> oh, you get externs yeah. as well, which is yeah. great. And I love it, especially yeah. when they start, they'll bring the case in, they'll say, you know, the patient doesn't have any complaints. And I know either from the ref- source, or I just know that there's something going on learning and I'll say, oh, he doesn't complain about reading. No. Did you ask any questions? Oh, no, he didn't say anything about it. You know, and so (laughs) if you don't probe, you don't find any answers. And uh, with kids, that's the case with adults. Often they've had the problem so long they would never even think to bring up a sign or symptom that may be associated because everybody's passed over it for many, many years.
2: Oh, absolutely. Even if you ask, do you have any reading problems? They'll say no. And then if I say, well, do you like to read?
1: Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) No problem. I just don't. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And that's kids and adults, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Or I fall
2: asleep when I read. But yes, you're right. It's, it's asking questions throughout the exam. And you know, as you ask questions, you gain further information, not just about the eye movements, but about focusing and eye teaming and how they use their eyes to direct their body. So we do a half a dozen tests for just the accommodative system, which is the ability to get and keep things clear and shift our focus. So, you know, if I see any problems in any of those tests, then I can ask further questions or uh, recognize that this individual is struggling with their visual system. Same thing with eye teaming, another half a dozen or more tests, looking at how those eyes can point and sustain focus for extended periods of time. And certainly with today's world, that's so focused on screen time a lot of our patients are really struggling right because they don't have the visual skills necessary to be able to do that for long periods
1: yeah i tell patients that the pandemic and all the screen time increase has been a boom to our industry because (laughs) kids adults teens you know so many people have been placed inappropriately in front of screens for so long Uh, they have very Many visual complaints and a quick story. A a patient came in and she happened to be a a bookkeeper of ours who was going to school. And she had told me that she was getting headaches and her eyes hurt when she's on the computer all the time. And so we sent a student in to do a work. The workup for that she came in as an emergency so when they're labeled this is where the fixed and open mindset so important for the doctor (laughs) so when she was labeled for emergency she basically made sure she could see and then came up with the diagnosis of dry eye and we looked at him go well yeah that's true but is there anything else well she's just an emergency patient Well, did you do any near-point tests like you just mentioned, accommodation or eye-teaming? Well, no, she's an emergency. She didn't come in for an exam. So, again, the mindset of the student was so closed because of the label of the appointment. Yeah, it was right. The insurance industry dictates, well, if it's problem-focused, you only have to ask these questions. And, And sure enough, she had significant focus accommodation problems, needed glasses for reading. And could have easily slipped through any any practice uh, with just a dry eye diagnosis, which is a you know a problem, especially in Colorado. So, so again, that history is, you know, more more than half of what what's important in that evaluation.
2: So, Lynn, that's a perfect example, dry eye, because if you think about it, most eye doctors are just looking at the physical health. Oh, the eye looks dry. Okay, there you go. But, you know, if you don't ask questions about nutrition, so biochemistry, I mean, if they're not getting enough essential fatty acids in the diet, if they're not getting antioxidants, then that's going to contribute to the dry eye symptoms for sure. And then the other thing that you want to look at is that um, energetics, you know, are they emotional and or emotions? Are they overwhelmed? People that are overwhelmed tend to be in that uh, sympathetic state. They just uh, are in that fight or flight or get ready for action and they, they are holding their bodies tensely. They They often come in with neck and back problems as well as the dry eye. So when you look at it from that standpoint, wow, that's somebody that's just under a ton of stress and shifting them to the sympathetic state, which means that they won't be able to produce tears. So instead of just giving them some drops, you talk to them about managing their lifestyle. Sometimes we'll use colored light therapy. Certain colors you might have heard like blue is calming. So we might be able to use just a blue tint in their computer glasses and teach them about adding some supplements and taking breaks. And maybe I've even coached patients to leave their jobs and find something that's more rewarding and less stressful.
1: Well, I'm sure you've had patients um, like we have that come in with, um, they sustained a concussion and they're often uh, very high achievers, uh, never had visual problems, um, and all of a sudden they have this concussion and they can't function like they used to. And everybody's telling them, well, you should be healed up, everything should be fine. And through the visual analysis, we find significant visual problems and then start talking about their stress and emotion. We're not, I don't try to be the psychologist, but I can see the impact of all of this. And there have been a few patients that we have talked about, you know, options, uh, recommended to really look at options like leaving their job. Um, and that sounds like a, a huge jump, and it. it is, but sometimes that's really what's being called upon at the time. You know, when we're gonna take a break here in just a, a minute. Randy, when we come back, uh, I really want to talk about how you treat and what some of the options are for for our patients and um, other things that you might suggest for good health and vision. And so uh, we'll take a break and we'll be just back in a minute.
0: Dr. Lynn will be right back after this. child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school? Have trouble with tracking when reading or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity. Enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hi,
1: welcome back. We've been talking to Dr. Randy Schulman, who is just so interesting and an expert in the integrated approach to vision and vision care. In the first half of the podcast, she's been talking about all her model of vision, which goes far beyond just, can you see 2020 and are your eyes healthy? That's certainly an essential part of it, but she's looking at The physical integration, biochemical, mental, emotional, energetic and spiritual connections, because all of those areas impact our vision. And it's no surprise. I mean, we're one being and we're taking a measurement through the visual system, um, but it's all integrated. And so we are really lucky in this field that we can have direct view of the back of the eye and the front of the eye which gives us a lot of information and blood vessels and general health of the body so let's move on and start talking about some of the treatment options when she's done this thorough evaluation in depth case history now she has some issues for the, she finds with the patients what are some of the options and and of maybe a case or two of a patient that you've worked with and and how it's changed their lives
2: Absolutely. So one of the options is, of course, prescribing glasses or contact lenses. So certainly, you know, as an optometrist, that's kind of our basic expectation is that we're going to come up with a prescription for the patient. But we tend to think of the prescription as, okay, that's just what you need. But oftentimes, there are different needs for our patients. So they might need a different prescription at the computer versus for driving. We talked about a dry eye case where that patient was stressed and you said you gave her reading glasses for the computer for your patient, and that certainly can make a big difference because a plus lens is relaxing, so we can consider prescribing in a stress-relieving manner. Uh, I often do that with patients that are contact lens wearers. So say they work on a computer 10 hours a day, And we recently had somebody that had had a stroke, a young person in her 30s have a stroke. um, And then she came in wearing contacts that were way too strong and she was getting headaches. All we had to do was drop the prescription a half a diopter and it relieved a lot of her headaches. Other patients too, I might suggest that they wear one pair of contacts or one set of contacts during the week while they're at work. And then on the weekends, they can wear the stronger ones when they're not looking at the screen all day. And if they have to drive home from work, they can wear a little bit of a prescription over those weaker contacts to drive
1: home. So I, I love, you know, that you're bringing this up, Randy, because so many patients think, give me my perfect pair of glasses. One pair of glasses <laughs> does it all. <clears throat> and I always tell them, you know, how many pairs of shoes do you have? Um yes. do you, do you run in your high heels? Do you, um, you know, go out in your tennis shoes? Now now some kids do, but um, one size doesn't fit all. And, and, yes, there's some great technology and no line of visible bifocals for certain things, but um, – when you yeah, do low powered bifocals work well too. And they work well too. But some people that have neck issues, for example, may, mm-hmm. that goes back to the physical problem of great, the prescription's just great, except they can't move their head or neck very well. And so they can't get into the right parts of lenses. So, so that's the perfect example where the physical part has a great impact in the kind of lens that you might prescribe.
2: Right. And then the other end of the spectrum are the kids. So very often parents think just, well, I'm nearsighted. My kid's going to become nearsighted. Well, you can actually prescribe developmental lenses and or prisms to help prevent a child from going into myopia or nearsightedness. Uh, You can also help guide a system where the two eyes aren't working together well using prisms to get them to align. And even patients, I've seen countless kids that were recommended for surgery for an eye turn and just the proper prescription and vision therapy, which I'll also talk about, helps them so they don't need surgery and the two eyes are aligned and working together. Now it can take six months to a year, sometimes two years in a severe strabismus case, but Certainly, proper prescribing as well as vision therapy can
1: be really life changing. And you want to just um, explain a little bit about vision therapy, what it is, and kinds of patients it sure. would benefit?
2: So, I like to say vision therapy can really help everyone. I've worked with birth to three with babies and helping babies that were either premature or had some sort of a cortical visual impairment they've actually had improvements just by doing vision therapy early on. So really the way I see vision therapy is a way to guide and or remediate a visual system that's not working optimally. So you start with babies, children, uh, anybody that's having reading and learning problems that are related to a visual problem. So teaching them how to track properly, how to focus, how to use the two eyes together, how to be peripherally aware. So, That's another whole arena, sports vision therapy, which I know you do a lot with and have worked with many athletes. And that's another whole area, you know, reaction speed, dynamic visual acuity, how quickly they can respond, Uh, their peripheral vision, the ability to be able to stay focused centrally but also be peripherally aware. All of those skills can be trained. They're absolutely learnable and enhanceable. So that's part of what vision therapy is. And it's usually weekly sessions in office with home programs where you're reinforcing what's being taught and learned in the therapy sessions in the office. And we've been highly successful. I mean, that's why I have so many offices, because I don't want a single office closing that was doing vision therapy. And then that's why we have the residency and externship programs, because I really want to keep this field uh, alive and thriving because so many patients. I mean, just every single day, there are patients that come back a year later, even months later, and tell me how their life has completely changed by doing vision therapy. And Whether it's a patient that had the concussion or a child that was struggling in school and couldn't read. And now they're reading Harry Potter. I mean, it's just it's really what makes um, my heart uh, swell. And it, to me, it's it's one of those areas of treatment that is just not well uh,
1: publicized or understood Well, and I I feel your passion. And um, as you and I have been in this field for so many years, now we get to see these patients, especially the kids that were third, fourth graders and struggled with their reading and writing. And, you know, they're now coming in as college kids, or some of them, I've been in the field long enough, are bringing their grandkids in, you know, the next generation. Yeah, (laughs) where they remember and they still. You know, talk about the day the kiddo realized that he was smart and he could read and or with concussion that uh, they got their life back. So it's a huge transformation in life that might occur when we treat vision, our dominant sense for learning.
2: Yeah, I mean, so much is visual and if vision's not operating, it it makes sense that you're going to have problems in every area of life. You know, and right. you think about somebody that has no visual flexibility, they they can't focus for different distances. And that does happen. Well, they're going to be living a much more limited worldview. You know that we talked about the fixed mindset. Well, yeah, if your eyes turned in or the eyes aren't flexible, you're not really going to see your own potential. And that's really what we work on in, in vision therapy. Um mm-hmm and the other piece that i want to mention about vision therapy and i just had this conversation in an i often do meetings and and trainings in my office pretty much weekly and the last talk last week was really about personal responsibility that it's our job not to say how they do in the therapy room but actually have the patient explore their vision, to become responsible for how they're seeing. And if you can teach responsibility in a therapy room, then it will translate out into the world. And that's where it kind of dovetails with my personal um, spiritual vision, which is we want us all to be uh, self-reliant, capable people that are responsible for ourselves and want to make a difference in the world.
1: That's such a great point, because um, in my work in visualization, often if we have, for example, a a young kiddo who's uh, struggling with reading, and we'll go through a whole visualization, tell me about your pictures when you're reading, pictures in your head about reading, and they see, you know, that they're stupid and kids are laughing at them. And I'll I'll ask them, I said, who created those pictures in your head? They go, (laughs) my teacher no (laughs) my mom no and it's like talk about lack of personal responsibility they don't know that they are responsible for their own whether it's internal or external vision and when they learn that that is a big piece of what you're talking about that they're in charge of their life
2: absolutely and we live in a world where everybody else is to blame so if we can Make small changes in that arena. It's it's uh, it could really be life changing for so many, and it, it really it can make the world a much better place.
1: Yeah. Well, you've uh, talked about lenses, prisms, vision therapy. Do you actually yeah. recommend supplements, or do you refer to other I do. professionals? So-
2: so I work directly with an integrative nutritionist in the office and we also do bioenergy screening as well. So we really do a lot in the vibrational medicine world as well, so we'll use essential oils and um, flower essences. As I mentioned, we will use colored light therapy, we'll use infrared, we're using transcranial infrared for things like brain injury and Alzheimer's as well. Um, So yes, I make those recommendations based on what I'm seeing in the iris. So you can look at the iris and it gives health and wellness. You can look at the retina as well. And I will make suggestions. Of course, they have to check with maybe their primary care or if they have any other history of a medical problem, they, they certainly would need to double check with their primary care doctor. But there's so many things that can be supported, macular degeneration, glaucoma, the dry eye, as I mentioned, even cataracts. Many of um, those conditions can actually be uh, managed with more alternative ways of um, dealing with them. So uh, we do a lot with that, and most of it's education So yes, supplements for sure. Then talking to people about what healthy eating is. Very few people have a a real sense of what you really need to eat. And we talk a lot about an anti-inflammatory diet, vegetables, fruits, um, higher protein, limiting all of the carbs that are not good for you, limiting wheat, dairy, soy, corn, all of the inflammatory foods. So that plus exercise, you know, talking to people about exercise. And you can look at the the way the patient's managing their life and make certain suggestions for different types of exercise. So if they're like a type A and they're, you know, a, a gym rat, well, maybe talk to them about just doing gentle stretching and yoga as well.
1: Uh-huh. Um, you know, first of all, I love that you have an integrated nutritionist in your office. Uh, That's always been an area of difficulty for adults. You know, we often send out to functional medicine types of folks, but for children, we've lost a lot of our referral sources. So trying to find an appropriate referral source, because I think a lot of listeners hear this over and over again, eat healthy, what is healthy, Mm -hmm. well, reduce that. I mean, can you guide us to some... Um, resources on what a general good healthy diet would be besides the pyramid, and it's been thrown out a lot <laughs> of years ago. Uh, can you give us some resources on on what good eating healthy would look like, especially for kids?
2: You know, that's a great question. So um, there's a naturaleyecare.com Dr. Mark Grossman he has a lot of good information on nutrition for eye problems specifically um, as far as a great website or a place to go for um, healthy eating that's kind of tough I would say um, Dr. Daniel Amen the Amen Clinics has a, a lot of good information out there uh, there's just You almost have to kind of search, but there's some really basic things I tell people. Just eat lots of fruits and vegetables. Have more fruits and vegetables than anything else. Drink tons of water and eat it organic as much as possible if you can. I know it gets expensive, but definitely do that. Limit all of your sugar and white foods. Uh, Limit alcohol and caffeine when possible. Get you know, really good uh, hydration with with the best high-quality water if you can. Um, and rotate foods. People tend to eat the same foods all the time. So even just shifting gears, because if you eat the same foods, it makes it harder for the body to digest it over time. So really looking at um, a rainbow of foods. Those are the simplest things that you can do. But, yeah, there's just tons of stuff out there. I know patients can get overwhelmed. So I usually just give a little handout that has all that information. And I have information on my website, too, that has uh, more resources and even just our little tips for healthy lifestyle, exercise, getting outside, and then taking breaks and, and good visual hygiene.
1: And if you want to go ahead, and give your website, we'll have it in the show notes, but go ahead and I want to make sure you mention your website.
2: Sure. It's cticareassociates.com.
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, a lot of resources. I'd like to take you back a minute. You and mentioned the iris and that's mm-hmm. something that most eye docs, we look to make sure it looks healthy, but we don't look at some of the the magic that's in there as far as what it looks like in some of the uh, areas can you explain a little bit what you might see sure so um,
2: many people will look at say iridology and say oh that's you know a silly field or it's not accurate i've been doing it for over 20 years it's highly accurate Uh, A lot of the work was based on Bernard Jensen, but Ellen Tart Jensen has written a really great textbook on it, and uh, I've been following her work, and it's just a good way. It's like a map of the iris, and it gives you information about what's happening in all the body systems, glands, organs, and all of that. So I will look at that system and look at those charts to give me an indication of what's going on in the iris. And then there's another system that I use even more, which is the RAID system. And that's not iridology at all, but it's looking at epigenetic patterns in the family tree that can be identified in the iris. That system is not um, something many people know about, but RAID.com has all of the charts there and all the information. But it's an entire system where you look at iris but you can also look at birth order you can look at body morphology and the history to give you a better sense of what's going on with the individual and give them suggestions on how they can live a healthier life and
1: clear some of the emotional traumas that have come through the family tree that is so interesting do you have a you know a case example or two of something that you found in your, especially just in your iris work of some illness or syndrome or some issue that you wouldn't have found, you know, in a general exam?
2: Well, it's really interesting because I, you know, you don't always remember what you say to patients, but I had a patient that I mentioned to her that, you know, it looked like I had some concerns on her left eye in the area of the chest or breast. And that she should, you know, maybe see her primary care doctor about it. And she came to me because she had an eye turn in, also the left eye, and we did some vision therapy. And then I sort of lost her. And seven years later, she came back and she said, you saved my life because you told me to go look at and get go to the um, primary care doctor. And he had me do a mammogram and I had breast cancer.
1: Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. that shakes you up and also empowers you as to what's available yeah. if we only look.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember another young boy, I mean, he was maybe 17, 18, came in all dressed in black, kind of a goth look, and he just, you know, didn't really want to be there. His mother made him come, and he just was so grumpy. And then I looked in his eyes, and this is more on, on the raid side, and I saw that Wow, he had the capacity for um, almost like a brilliance, that but that he needed to move, that his, his kinesthetic system really needed to be activated consistently. And his mother sent him because she thought he was having some difficulty in school and he didn't want to go to college and all of this. And I just shared with him that he had this gift of movement but the capacity to really think about it and take it higher and he just perked up i mean this this kid that was slumped in the chair wouldn't talk to me basically said i'm a drummer i i, I really want to go to college to become a musician and it was like i said well you know i i, I don't see why you can't i just would make sure you well actually he wanted to just go to <laughs> be in a garage band and I said well you know you could study this you could really do well with it and he ended up going to college to become a musician
1: Randy that's just a great story and and, you know I'm sorry to say we're just about out of time I wanted to express uh, my gratitude for all the work you have done and what you're doing you know by by really taking over some of these practices of practitioners who are retiring and making sure that patients really still have such a awesome, uh, possibility of receiving this wonderful vision treatment. And and thanks to you for what you're doing. And thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, you're just awesome.
0: Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.